0: To the March or Die show today. Glad to have you with me. And I am looking forward to jumping into an incredible conversation. So I'm not going to take a lot of time getting there. Uh, We're going to get right to it. Uh, I've had the opportunity over the last really several years working with veterans and active duty service members and those in the first responder community uh, to meet some really incredible people folks who have served our country, folks who have served our communities and continue to do so with distinction and honor. One of those people is who I will interview today. You're going to hear that in just a second. Cheyenne Caldwell is currently a captain with the Los Angeles City Fire Department. He has served with distinction and honor. He's also a Christian, and so he has the ability to take positions of faith and perspectives of faith and to blend them with so much of what he's learned as a firefighter. You're going to hear from him today, and he's going to tell a story. It's a story of an event that happened in his life and his firefighting career, and he's going to tell that story and then make application that really uh, applies to all of us. I'm so thankful that he can be with us. So grateful that you can hear this conversation with my guest, Cheyenne Caldwell. Cheyenne Caldwell, thank you for joining me, man. Really appreciate your time.
1: I appreciate you, Jeremy. Thanks for everything, man. I'm, I'm excited to be here and uh, see what the see what the Lord has for us today.
0: That's awesome. Um, let's uh, let's just start with your story. So tell us. Your story, how you ended up where you are right now, a uh, firefighter for uh, LA City Fire. What was your journey to that? And what are your, your kind of your childhood, your growing up and, and uh, you know, your process, your journey? What did that look like? Sure. Yeah.
1: My journey started in, um, in Los Angeles, uh, South LA, South Central, as you would call it. That's where I was born. Um, the family, you know, living in South LA, uh, doing what we can do to stay out of trouble. Yeah. And, uh, and and do the things we had. My brothers, my older brothers, uh, kind of started getting into some trouble with the gangs of South L.A., and, and so uh, my dad decided to get me out. So what we did was actually moved out to another town, Bloomington, California, which is not much better than South L.A., but uh, it helped us uh, get to where we needed to get. So I was out here in San Bernardino County. Uh, when, once we got there, uh, I took on the love of football, and that's where I uh, took, that was my passion. I was, uh, I started playing there uh, at Bloomington High School, where we, um, we're not very good at all, to tell you the <laughs> truth. Uh, we, we actually sucked pretty bad, all the way to my junior year, we were 1-11, uh, and 11. Wow. so we had uh, one win, you know, 11 losses, and uh, the following year, my senior year, I was making a hard decision whether to leave there or stay, and we had a new coach by the name of Coach Don Markham, and who was a mentor in my life who uh, changed the program around and, um, we ended up going to the, the, the championship, wow. uh, ended up being 14 and zero the following wow. year. Wow. So, yeah, yeah, it was one of those, it was an awesome deal. We ha- ended up having the national scoring record for that year and it, it still holds for 14 games. That's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. It was, it was great to be a part of that. And those guys, you know, are maintain a, a part of my life. Uh, that's very sacred. From there, uh, with that spotlight on us, I was able to get to to UCLA and play ball there on a, on a full scholarship. And uh, that was another pivotal point in my life where I found discipline and teamwork and being able to listen to a coach uh, to a T and that really uh, set a benchmark in where I was as a man, just being able to have that discipline to get up and do the workouts we did in and, 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 uh, school and just being a student athlete. And after that, uh, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Uh going to the pros didn't work out for me. So um what I did is start exploring different uh careers. One year, toward the end of my uh school year there, our school time doing time in school, I went to church on a on a Christmas uh evening, Christmas Eve actually,
0: yeah.
1: expecting the the standard Christmas Eve uh message and and the pastor who was a guest pastor, started talking about careers. So All of a sudden, he's like, Hey, man, I want to pray for those who are out there looking for direction, and that was me. Yeah. So it was pretty awesome. Um, I went down to the altar call, and he he uh he prayed for us, and I got the inspiration to become a firefighter, yeah, by, by speaking to certain folks around the, the community in LA and got the inspiration. And uh, next thing you know, one year later, I'm on my way to Phoenix, Arizona to be a fireman out there. That's crazy, yeah, it is. It was awesome. Spent two years there. And I ended up coming back to Los Angeles uh, to be a fire, to continue being a firefighter. And um, spent uh, about five years on the job trying to do my best in, in the career. And I got uh, an inspiration to promote the apparatus operator, which for us was the engineer uh, who drives the truck, uh, the hook and ladder truck. And uh, it was a long, hard, and drawn out process that took everything in me to get to where I, I was able to score high enough on that exam list. And uh, I did, and uh, I got made, which is mean I got promoted. And uh, this leads us to another pivotal, uh, as you would say, probably defining moment was July 24th, 2007. It was the day I got promoted. And uh, excuse the pause. I'm just trying to recollect my thoughts here. And it was a day that lives with me in infamy because it changed everything. I can go back to UCLA at the time I was at UCLA I became a Christian there. And, uh, I gave my life to the Lord in the locker room with a few other athletes. We called at that time. we called athletes in action. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we're sitting there and I remembered vividly, we're sitting in the, in one of the film rooms and, and, uh, at the end of the message, the, the leaders asked if um, want to accept Jesus, our Lord and savior. And I it was, it was one of those quiet moments, but, um, uh, Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you need to do this. And I did, I remember that day being very a changing point in my life. And that was when I was playing football. But fast forward to July 24th, 2007, that's the day I got promoted to apparatus operator, it was a day that this commitment I made to Jesus uh, really showed true. So I'll just give you a story of what happened that day, just because it's very pivotal in my life story. Um, that That morning, Uh, or that day I got promoted. Went to my new assignment, Fire Station 26, which is in the Western Adams District of uh, Los Angeles, right along the 10 Freeway in Western. And um, got a chance to talk to my crew. It was a lot of promotions that day, so it was a lot of new members. So I was able to just get together and we went out training so we can get all on the same page as far as our our working relationships concerned. But fast forward to that evening, about 8 p.m., uh, we what we call the Adams fire broke out, mm. which was at 5111 West Adams Boulevard, which ended up being from the those folks who uh, were on scene. Which the first uh, captain on scene was a one-story commercial with heavy fire showing out of the rear of the building. We hear that in route to the to the structure fire, so we're uh, driving down Adams to get there. Uh, Adams Boulevard, and we get to the to the structure and we're giving the roof division. So what that means for us is that we're assigned the roof, we go up top with our chainsaws and hand tools and uh, we put a ventilation hole in the building so that the engine company can go inside and find their way to the fire and, and have some of the smoke and heat relieved off of them. So that was our job, that was my assignment. <clears throat> So I made my way to the roof, um, and it was the two roofs, the first part being the front front part of the building. I got on that one, it was pretty, it was sound, meaning it was stable, sturdy. And then I made my way to the rear of the building, uh, which there was a wall separating the two roofs, which is the second part of the commercial. At that point, I saw a fire blowing out of one of the skylights toward the rear and I took one step over the wall and uh, fell through the roof decking into the structure that was fully involved with fire. Mm -hmm. So um, the fire that I saw coming out of the skylight was now coming out of the hole I created with my body. I hit uh, what was to later be found as a storage cage inside the building, which um, caught me about halfway down the fall, flipped me, and uh, ended up landing on the ground. I woke up there. And I say woke up because I don't remember the actual fall, the descent. I don't remember that. But from the evidence, I was like cage being bent. It's obvious to see what happened. Mm -hmm. I woke up on the ground, looking around me and all I could see was orange left and to the right. It was in the pit of it, in the pit of the fire, in the actual fire building. And if you could describe hell on earth, I was living it. Yeah. Spent seven minutes and 10 seconds in that inferno. Mm -hmm. As we went up on the roof, I didn't have my breathing apparatus on my face, and head on my back, but I didn't have it on my face. And I fell in without any respiratory protection. So if you can imagine that, not only being burned thermally from the outside, but also being through, burned thermally from the inside. Every breath I took felt like it was searing my lungs. So I took, used a technique that's called skip breathing in our industry to try to just protect my lungs. And as vivid in that, in that process, you know, as you, as you uh, I know you talked to a lot of folks and you might've heard this before, but you, you go through a process called, uh, it's like reliving your life, right? You just see your life fast forward when you know it's, it's coming, coming to an end. And that happens, and I'm here to testify to it. But something else really happened that, that really just speaks to us as men, speaks to us as firefighters, as yourself, as a soldier. His three distinct thoughts came to me was, one, how embarrassing. That on, I took all this time and effort to get into this position, to be the best that I could be, and I made a rookie mistake like this. What are the guys gonna think of me? How embarrassing. The second thought was, I'm in here all by myself because I know they haven't made entry yet and my guys are still on the roof. And my last third thought was and this is what connects me to the time in, at UCLA was Lord, I'm ready to go. Right. Whatever you have for me, I'm ready to go. And that that commitment I made back at UCLA is eternally linked to that day, July 24th, because I had peace in that burning inferno, right? I had peace in knowing God had a plan and he was going to deliver me. And what I mean by deliver me, I mean, I was really fully and willing to accept, to accept my fate and going to meet him. Right. But he had other plans. <laughs> As I continued to experience what was happening, I remember the burn. I know this is audio, but my hands were burned, my face, my belly, head, but it was this very slow burn. I felt it just knowing, gnawing its way through each layer of my skin. And I said, okay, Lord, I'm ready to go be with you but this this dying process is not easy yeah it's pretty painful and it was at this point that my guys my crew that was on the roof saw all that that what had transpired and uh, my captain was heads up enough to look over the side of the building and see an inch and three quarter firefighting hose line waiting there for some reason not being used. So he called for it to be brought to the roof via equipment line, drop bag line, we call it. He brought it up to the roof and um, told my guys, okay, we're gonna put it in the hole that Cheyenne just created. Now, just to give you an idea, this is, was totally against anything we were trained to do in our industry, because we're a thought process is gonna cause worse harm. But we later discussed, and he told me and shared with me that he had no other recourse. He had no Rolodex, as he said, no Rolodex or slide in which to pull from for this particular situation. But he said, Cheyenne, it was was as if God told me to put water in that hole. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It was not because I thought I was going to save you It was because I wanted your family to have an open casket funeral. Wow. So I wanted to preserve your body. Wow. Yeah, that was pretty sobering when he told me that. But it was his reality. And what reality transpired inside was that water that he put into the hole I created actually stopped that burning process I was describing to you earlier in its track. It stopped it. I mean, it was an immediate, just like relief from the burn. I share before it says, if God said, that's it, my son's not going to burn anymore. It stopped right there. So as the, the incident rolled on, my engine company, which is engine 26 led by uh, Captain Fields, Captain Richard Fields, uh, made their way inside the building, all the while on the radio telling me, hey, I'm coming to get you. We're going to come get you. We're going to get you. You know, that was him trying to assure me. And him, along with uh, Engine 68, another another engine company found me in the midst of all of all the machinery inside this uh, manufacturing commercial building and uh, they extricated me brought me out and to their recollection of the story I was just dead weight my gear myself at the time weighing about 235 pounds in addition to the gear, probably like 260, 270. Mm. So they brought me, they brought me out, across the threshold of the, the door and I'm on my back at this point. And my guys are on the roof looking down because they directed them which way to go. And they're looking down at me and I'm looking up at them and I cross the threshold and I just, you know, throw my hands up like I'm praising the Lord, you know, just, Hey, I'm out. I made it. And they're looking down at me like, no way you made it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. That, that day. As you can, and I'm only giving you the tip of the iceberg, but you know, it, it changed, it changed me forever. Right. Um, I went into that fire you know, thinking I was the top of the world, you know, prideful as can be, young, you know, full of piss and vinegar, you know, fireman's fireman, one of the best departments in the world, if not the best. And I did
0: that, that happened,
1: you know. But the reason I mentioned that is I went in there one way, right? I tell my wife this, you know, they said it was a near death experience, but I think it was a full death experience because uh, I think the old Cheyenne died in the fire. I came out of there. Changed not only physically, emotionally, psychologically, more important, man. Spiritually. Jesus became real that day. He became tangible. <laughs> to reach out and touch him.
0: Right.
1: Let me just share with you those three things I wanted to talk about and I said that was so important and happened. The pride piece. You know, uh, I said I was in there for seven minutes and ten seconds. You know, sometimes pride in us as men may take seven minutes for me, may take 70 years for someone else, but that pride needs to be broken. Because it says in the word, right, pride comes before the fall. Right. And man, I couldn't give you a clear example of pride coming before the fall on this one. Hmm. Fell 13 feet. Very prideful man. Fell to my knees, burning to death. And I think that pride went along with it. But I found myself on my knees, man. You know, on my knees. Nowhere else to look but up for the mercy of God, and he had it that day. The second thought, being in there all by myself. You know, Jesus promises never to leave us nor forsake us. And I think the story is pivotal in that there's so many scriptures that just hold true for me through the story, you know? Real quickly, man, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego Mm
0: -hmm.
1: when they were thrown in that fiery furnace. King King Nebuchadnezzar looks at him afterwards. While they're in the fiery furnace, he tells his counselor, he goes, hey, man, didn't we throw three guys into that fire? Mm -hmm. And his counselor said, yes, sir, we did. And he says, wait a minute. Well, I see four roaming around in that fire. And the fourth one looks like the son of God. so man as I was in that fire roaming around dude the truth be told Jesus was there with me cooling my burns protecting my bones from that fall keeping my lungs intact while getting burned at those extreme temperatures he was there he was there man he was there So, I mean, to bring this story to where we are today, um, he's tangible, man. Right. He's, so, he's so tangible. You <laughs> reach out and touch him, I give him a hug, man. He's just, <laughs> he's just real. And so when, from before that incident, I, I would say I believed in Jesus, but after this incident, I became a follower follower of that messiah it yeah. just shows me the way so yeah i mean that's in a nutshell jeremy i don't i don't know if you want me to go into anything else specifically but i mean that's that's my story as far as uh getting me to there and fast forward from there i mean god has blessed me tremendously i mean my i have a beautiful wife who, w- who stood with me through the whole incident um we were married three years prior to that and she stood with me afterwards and, you know it, it's it's uh, a it's a blessing to know that while I was in debt, I was in an induced coma for eight days after the incident, the burn ward, And, um, you know, she, uh, she never left my side. Right. She stayed there the whole time, you know, she just never left. So that's our trial. Um, <laughs> yeah. tried by fire. Yeah. That's. Been- we're here today, three, three young boys, one on the way. One on the way. <laughs>
0: and that's a um, yeah. incredible story. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, you know, I've heard you talk about parts of that before. I haven't heard you lay it out, uh, you know, exactly like that and appreciate it. Um, everyone goes through trials. Everyone has, you know, battles. We could call them battles or trials or obstacles or however you want to define that. I think everyone goes through things not everything that people go through is as tangible perhaps as what you've gone through where they can point to a time and a place and have, you know, distance and measures and all of those things, but we all sure. go through things. And um, don't always know how to pers- persevere or push through those things when they appear. And sometimes they appear just as quickly as falling through a roof. You don't expect it to happen and it happens and your life changes in an instant uh, based on, maybe that experience or other experiences in your life, you, you continue to, you know, be a firefighter. You've done this for many, many years. Um, what are some principles that you would communicate to people who are struggling? Maybe they're struggling spiritually. Maybe it's in relationships, uh, you know, in a, in a figurative or metaphorical sense, they're laying at the bottom of that building, you know, <laughs> the fire right. raging around them and it might be easier to just, to just stay there and quit. What do you say to them? How do you get them up and get them moving again?
1: Right, I mean, I think it's one step at a time, mm. one step at a time as um and that that rings true in my head because as I trained in Phoenix, we used to uh, climb these mountains in in Phoenix uh during the middle of summer and <laughs> and we would be dying. I mean, it would be one hundred and fifteen degrees outside and and we're going out in the middle of the afternoon, right and and we were literally not going to make it, but yeah the, our, our training guys were like, "Look, one step at a time." Take one, take the next step and take the next step and take the next step. But as far as how I made it, and I like to share this with folks, because this is literally what helped me get through. So afterward, during my recovery process, I was in the pit of hell all over again, not able to sleep, not able to eat, not able to move. I mean, there was at one point I had my hand attached into my abdomen to do a skin transfer. Yeah. And, and was stuck in in a position where my shoulder actually froze. It was stuck in that position for 18 days. So me personally, I like, I'm a very active person. So not able to move was even more depressing, mm. but I learned from a, you know, I had to be seen by a, um, a psychologist and, and one of the key things he taught me. Um, and one of the things I practiced, even though I didn't know I was doing it, he, he put a name to it and he called it a milking stool. So if you look at a milking stool a person milks cows, it's a, a, a seat with three legs on it, right? Right, right. Okay, so if you look at those three things, look at you like you said figuratively, that, that stool cannot stand without having those four components, right? So those four components, each leg, one is eating right. That's one leg. The second leg is um, exercise. The third leg, is it eating right? exercise the third leg is sleeping well and the seat that holds it all together is our faith mm. okay so i know it's, it may sound elementary right now but let me just delve into a little bit so if you exercise each one of those areas on a daily basis right right daily it has to be daily i'll bet you dollars to donuts that you cannot stay in a depressed state if You work through each one of those areas on a daily basis. Right. And what I mean by that, you know, exercise, get out and do something. I mean, if you can't, if you can't walk, start walking. If you can't run, start trotting. Do something. Get out there and do something. And then eating right. I mean, the junk food that we eat in America, (laughs) uh, it is, that's exactly what it is, right? If you, if you, if it's not going to stay fresh for two days or a day or that day, don't eat it. That's, that's a big deal right there. Um, and then uh, the, the, the sleeping, which is hard for people that are like post traumatic. And you know, long, I'm sure you talked to a lot of your guys right. that, that you relive it, right? right. I relive this incident, like I just shared with you, on a daily basis, man. And I relived it at night when I, nobody else was around. And I was over and over and over again. And this is just not just for me. I mean, other firefighters have been through traumatic issues. It's the same thing. It's the right. same symptom right. over and over and over again. Okay, so what do you do about that? Okay, so what I turned to was journaling at night. So at night, I just flush my brain to try to get those thoughts out of my head that are in my head onto some paper.
0: Right.
1: And it don't really matter where how you do it. Just get it out of your head because that stuff just continues a cycle and cycle and cycle. And it goes back to what God talks about confession. Mm-hmm. I know now you can't wake your wife up, or hey, uh, hey, I got this listen, babe, I want to tell you about something because she got to get ready for <laughs> her day too, right? Right. But if you journal it, it's a it's a form of confession. And then if you got you know groups like this that you know the, from Mighty Oaks and guys that you can trust, that confession piece, it's not so much telling somebody about your sin really. It's just getting what's in your heart out. Yeah. And if you could yeah. do that, that stops that cycle to con- from continuing and continue and continuing. and it stops that depressive cycle that happens and keeps you from sleeping. And the last part in your faith is, man, I learned, um, you were up, you were, you were up at Hume Lake with us, right, Jeremy. Yep. And there was a guy I went up there just recently for father son camp. And I like to take over like one, like really good nugget. Right. And, and this guy is a pastor in Long Beach. He said, you know what I learned from one of my mentors, who was 82 years old. Mm. He said, no Bible, no breakfast. Mm. I was like, that is legit, man. <laughs> <laughs> so simple. <laughs> legit. I was like, you know what? I'm going to take that and I'm put that into my operation. But, you know, what I mean by that, you just got to have something daily. If, right. it's, if it's a proverb, it's a psalm, it's just some part of the word where it's going to feed your faith. Feed your faith. Yeah. So you do those four things daily, and that's, that's a, a pragmatic, practical thing that we can do yep. on a daily basis to try to get ourselves out of that ditch, out of that valley onto that high ground. Yeah, um, That would be my advice.
0: That's uh, it, It's great because it's actionable. I think a lot of the times when we find ourselves in, you know, those, those difficult situations in life, we can't control the situation. So we panic and maybe then we find ourselves, you know, depressed. And it, it right. just leads downhill. When you talk about those four things, those are four things I can do. I may not be able to control everything, but I can do those four things. So tomorrow you wake up and you start working on those four things and, it, it creates momentum that carries you forward. And uh, man, that's awesome. Um, when you talk about uh, hope, and this is, you know, I, I love to end here, but what is hope to you and how do you communicate hope to the hopeless? We're living at a time where there are a lot of very hopeless people. Um, man, it's overwhelming for a lot of folks right now. How do you communicate hope? Where is hope found? What does that mean to someone who's struggling?
1: Right, that's perfect, man. In my, can I
0: just uh, pretext
1: with with the scripture? You yeah, don't mind. For sure, no, for sure. Hebrews twelve and two, man. It says, "Keep our eyes focused on Jesus, mm. the author and perfect of our faith, who for the joy sent before him took on death on a cross, who now sits and sits at the right hand of the throne of God." Right. Paraphrased, obviously, I'm not reading it right now, but that's basically what I want to say. Is this is our focus today? Our hope we're putting a lot of hope in, in the YouTube and news and our news feeds. And we're not taking the time to focus on Jesus. Yeah. If we, the hope is found in him. And if we can focus on what he wants to do on a daily basis, our hope will increase without a doubt. And that's where mine us. And, and the reason I share this because I see a lot of my guys, and let me just give you a, a little bit of background. I'm a fireman. Yes, but I'm a captain at the firehouse. When I say my guys, I'm talking about my, my firefighters and drivers, right. which of which I have thirteen. And I look at them and I'm like, oh, guys, just focusing on the news and focusing on the negativity, which is all the news gives us.
0: Right.
1: What man wants to feed you is not what God wants for your life, right? And for those who are believers, I'm saying, guy, you know, you know better. Focus on what God wants in your life. He doesn't want the discord. He doesn't want the impatience. He doesn't want the the division. God wants the exact opposite. He wants unity. unity. He wants us to love, love our neighbor as we love ourselves, right? So where, how do we navigate that? We got to be counterculture. We have to be counterculture. We have to focus on Jesus and let him be the center of it all. And then we can navigate this and saying, you know what? As a true believer in Christ, as a true follower in Christ, you know, this world is not our our home. Yeah. This is, this is not where our permanent residents, right? We're here temporarily, but we're, while we're here, like you being a soldier, me being a fireman, we're here to take those out of the flames, right? We're here to, we're here to rescue folks, share the gospel, share the good news, share the hope that's only found in Jesus. You could try anywhere else. Right. I'll tell you one thing, you could try anywhere else and you ain't going to succeed.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I hope that answers the question. Yeah. That's fantastic. Uh, Cheyenne, I appreciate your time and, uh, man, just what you're doing and the work that you continue to do, but your clear understanding of the gospel and your ability to articulate that um, is amazing. So thank you for that. And uh, man, just really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, bro. God bless you. All right. Hope that conversation was an encouragement to you. So many great principles there. Uh, There are some things you have to learn the hard way. We talk about not learning things the hard way. There are some things you can only learn the hard way, hard way. Difficulties come into our lives And the important thing is that when they do, we learn from those and we get up and we keep moving forward. So many great principles taught there. Again, I hope that was a help to you. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. look forward to talking to you next time.